Welcome to Into the Vortex, previously written in 2014. In the foundry, bells either pedaled or they snorted silver. Not to mention the working crowd who honored the laws and made a peaceful living. But times were changing in the year 831. And this new drug, the one they called the silver, was ambitious. I mean, peasants became princes overnight. And whores were purchasing their own mansions rather than relying on some wealthy knight or lord to finance them. In the glowing city of Seastar, elves were a third were third class citizens, pushed to live in the slummy streets of the foundry. Lying at the north end of the city, the foundry was crowded with over a hundred thousand souls navigating life on narrow wooden streets. Never considered a single unified neighborhood. Not because the houses were the same fine brownstones. But all these elves held different historic roots from the reservations whence they came. To the many unions within those reservations, you know, after centuries of ancestry. Like tribes or clans in our world. The reservations resided in the interior. They were run down, underfunded, and of course, impoverished. <sighs> Unions too thick with membership and families with endless relatives discarded their unwanted to sea star for better opportunities. So they claimed. In truth, it was all about survival, such as the farming system, where parents shipped off their children, little elven babies, to the foundry, never to see them again. These orphans were placed in a housing system run by a house manager. Now, there were those whole families, of course, who immigrated together to Seastar in search of a better life. Purchased a house in a foundry, went to work, scrubbing floors for the maverick people, nursing their babies, tutoring the children, acting as their security, whatever. Those were the masters of service. As Silver took hold of Seastar, though, many elves found a new revenue stream, peddling this dope. No need to grovel and crawl and plead to maverins for work anymore. Especially the youths who refused to live the same impoverished lives that had fated their parents and guardians. Two big players ran the silver game in the foundry, Silas and Pappy. Every weekend, the foundry turned up on the avenue, healing and wheeling horses, and blasting music as they all paraded down the street. It was a live show full of lights and flaws, folks with serious dance skills doing backflips and shuffling like acrobats. On one such night, a young elf, Kyrenic, met up with his girlfriend, Bella, and best friend, Wizard. He snuck up on his lady while she spoke with friends, seizing them hips from behind, then turning her around about to plant a kiss on Bella's curved lips. Together, they walked through the crowd, clasping hands, like the fine couple they were. Kyrenic was tall with a solid build, and Bella held a short stature with a petite frame. She asked, or rather, 
She told Corinne to go grab her a plate from Miss Ulsa, who has who always, you know, cooked up a mean dish, you know, of noodles and shit. Wiz approached Kyrenic while he was in line waiting for the plate. So, you know, they were talking or whatever, chopping it up. Finally, he gets the plate. The three of them, you know, linked together again. And they're walking amongst the crowd. Now, even though they were young, all three of them went back to the play dates. Unlike Karenic, though, who, you know, was a, was a product of the housing system. You know, he had no parents. They discarded him at an early age. And, you know, he went to live there. And uh, the housing units who were meant to protect these kids were, they were rough. And, you know, they weren't, they weren't as safe as they were supposed to be. But Wiz, however, he lived with his mother and father, an entire fucking family, you know. With and his sisters too, you know, he was the only boy, but yeah, he had like about six sisters. Wiz, but Wiz was an effect was very affectionate with the ladies, and I think that's why having all them sisters in the house, you know, like you know, he learned about girls, he knew girls, you know, so yeah, he 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 was a ladies' man, and that often got him a fight with jealous fellas, you know, who you know couldn't take no or you know thought they were fucking with his girl or whatever, so. With his, like, dark eyes, I think it was more so the dark eyes because he could lock a girl in like that. And that's how he gave him the name Wizard because, you know, he was, he put him under a spell. So Kyrenic Wizard and Bella roll up on Pinky, who was tucked away in the thick of the crowd, a charming fellow with a booming voice. Another guy built of solid muscle. He wore long hair right down to his hips. Not typical for Elwood men, but Pinky held his own code, always surrounded by loyal men sworn to protect him. Access to his person was never easy, save for Kai and Wizard, save for people like Kai and Wizard, you know, who Pinky was fond of. They always, you know, get a hold of him, you know, and, you know, yeah. He loved them boys, and Willen was a passion of Pinky's. Like, he hosted these events so often, every weekend. And it was here he felt his safest. Tonight, however, would be very different. As usual, sentries posted around the borders of the crowd to observe any suspicions and enforce Pinky's security. Threats from a rival crew kept him cautious. Fortunately, under Silas and Pappy, a moral compass of peace on the streets. Those men ran two separate organizations, but sold the same silver dope flood in the state. Big players and joint mayors of the foundry since the demise of the great folks. Politics, though, I'll reserve for later discussions. Right now, I desire to stick to the street translation the adventures of this young elf named Kyle Rennick. Two elves of unfamiliarity with the neighborhood flowed amongst the ranks of Pinky and his crew of crowd, a crowd, crew of crowd and followers. Everyone was too drunk and enjoying the show of horse of horses being trotted on two legs. Fashioned in gleaming lights and juggling flames to notice the strangers. The sentries, too, failed in their duty. Kai noticed them, though. And before he realized what was about to happen, it had already happened. A dozen blades were slicing up Pinky from the belly up. It wasn't the two strangers cutting up, but 
cutting up Pinky, but a group of his so-called students who assassinated him. Kids he schooled, put on and trusted. Pinky employed the farming orphans to run his silver, where he owned a grip of corners near the canal. Kai recognized their faces but not the names. As Pinky's bodies collapsed, his squad of bodyguards tackled the kids and returned the favor. None of these little-ass assailants survived, and the two strange elves, poof, vanished. Kai was a statue. A man he loved like a brother was dead, never to return again. His heart sank so deep, unbelievable, shaken. Wiz had to snap Kai back to reality because the scene was chaos, and here he was standing in the thick of it. Thankfully, Wiz pushed Bella to safety. He gathered them both and got the fuck out of Dodge. The bodyguards, so, elvis, so overzealous with vengeance, fucked any chance in finding who or for what reason Pinky was killed. It would have served to keep at least one trade alive. In the mess of confusion, unrelated fights erupted. Some horses got loose, causing a stampede. People getting stomped on by horse or person. Food flying in the air. Blood spilling. Knife after knife, a few sword melees. Even Wiz got caught up laying hands when someone attempted to snuff Kai. He gave them the go-ahead and Kai and Bella got up out of there while Wiz, you know, stayed back, you know, fighting for whatever. After dropping her home, Kai's biggest concern was explaining to his sister the death of her boyfriend. Tassar and Pinky had been dating a long time and he had planned to marry her. Tassar, like him, was an orphan too. They came up together, they were very close. Most everyone in the house regarded each other as brother and sister. Outside on the porch, Kyle reflected on the sincere memories of the man who introduced him to the game. After the period of mourning, Silas held a meeting to set Pinky's operation right. So he gave a speech about this and that. You know, speaking the cryptic shit, trying to send us, trying to send them all a message, you know. Mainly this was for the youths, but everybody in the organization had to attend. It would not be kind to say everyone received, received the news he delivered lightly. See, Silas was a strange bunch. He said the situation about Pinky being killed had been resolved. But some speculate he was lying. And so, then his nephew stepped in, you know, to confirm that the killers or the who was up behind it had indeed been, you know, killed. And Sino was head of the Elven Police Department. You know, this was his purview, whatever. And made it known that no further violence would be tolerated. You know, and that was a direct message. Then a guy named Adamo stepped forward. And he was quick. So, with Pinky gone, you students now answer to me. I am firm and just. Nothing changes. Whispers amongst the crowd. From the whispers amongst the crowd, no one was pleased with this announcement. Tyrannic, however, respected the decision. It was a smart move, sensible, but the other youths attending the meeting lacked such sense. 
this was business and business was not only about making money but maintaining discipline and organization so that money can be continued to be made Kyrenic understood this Adama was a businessman whereas men like Smoke It, Aomi and Tickle you know who were Pinky's closest confidants and formed the core of his crew you know you know the three of them assumed they will be leading the school system you know but clearly Silas had other plans Adamo did work closely with Pinky on numerous occasions, but was never formally a member of that crew. So, you know, Smoke It, Aomi, Tickle, you know, they were thugs. You know, they, 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 you know, they, yeah, they put in work on the street. You know, they made their money, but at the end of the day, they didn't understand the politics of shit. So, Tickle, he, he, he was, I guess you could say, okay with it. I mean, I, nobody really saw any complaints, but Smoke It and Aomi. Man, them motherfuckers stormed out the meeting so goddamn fast. Which was not only disrespectful to Adamo, but Silas as well. So a couple days later, Kyrenic is enjoying dinner with Bella near the bodega when Wiz came through all hyped up over news over the news on how Smokin and Aomi had crashed Adamo's crib, killed his girl, and then took him hostage. Now, a raven what did arrive to the pool hall where Silas frequented or whatever, courtesy of Smoke, basically asking Silas for money. A fucking ransom. Immediately, Silas sent, Silas sent Sino to the streets. With his soldiers scouring the inns, hovels, and hideaways, Smoke had went to ground. The foundry was in uproar. In Kyrenic's memoirs, Destinies of a Prince, he describes Sino's elders pouring into the bodega, pulling folks up from tables and behind registers, forcing them to vacate the premises. His men ravished every corner of the building and the basement. He goes on to theorize there was a much bigger play here. Snatching up Adamo was one thing, but then demanding ransom from Silas was another. Disrespect? Yeah, flat like that. But Smoke was challenging the head of the organization. Alas, explaining Sino's feral reactions. Him and Silas were uncle and nephew, and Sino was fiercely loyal, but also noisy and unpredictable. Pinky always explained to his students the difference between personal and business. Kyle was a great admirer of the philosophy. Adamo stayed true to his word about Nasra and Pinky's operation. He also was in line about keeping certain elements in place. So whatever his beef with Smoke it was, if there was one, who knows? There is no true depth to it other than the fact of what it looks like on the surface. It was a power play. Kai couldn't get caught up in that shit. You know? He ignored it. So, he told Wiz, you know, hold up a second. Him and Bella finished eating. And then, Kai went to take Bella home. She was a little frustrated because they were supposed to spend more time together. But he had things he had to get to. So, he dropped her off, gave her a hug, kiss or whatever. And then he went to go. He went back down the avenue to meet up with Wiz, and together, they went to go handle some business. Enlisting the dead zones as safe houses was a smart option. It was Kai's idea. Secluded, far from activity. The right vibe to hide some coins. The foundry had many neglected neighborhoods falling into ruin. Thousands of homes. Kai never used the same vacant twice, and always applied the houses in the center of the hood. 
Wiz was always there to watch Kai's back while he retrieved the coins in the basement. Wiz stayed upstairs to watch the door. Under some loose floorboards was a couple was a couple coin purses. Kai snatched up three of them, then restored the floorboards. And as he prepared to return to the main floor, a giant hidden in the shadows jumped upon his back. Kyrie elbow, but it was no good. The giant held him tight, so he countered. Wiz heard the rumblings below. Silhouettes moving outside across the broken windows. He dug down. As whoever entered the as whoever entered, they crept slow. Then Wiz clocked him with a glass bottle over the head, breaking it in half, tackling the suspect. Another attempted to counter him, but Wiz stuck him in the leg with his knife. Wiz fell over and the two suspects grabbed him leg and arm, dragging him over, almost unconscious. Wiz struggled to recover. They left him to retrieve some, they left his, they left him alone to go retrieve some rope. They were going to tie him up. But then they turned around. Wiz was just gone. To their surprise, he flanked them and drove a knife in the butt of the first suspect and punching the other suspect. With one down, one to go, the second, you know, he 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 getting his shit back, you know, he 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 got that one too. And so Wiz man said, fuck that shit, knocked him back to the floor. The knife went sliding across the room. Downstairs, Kyle was wrestling with the giant, swiping him with the one of the bags, sending the silver coins and pennies flying about the room. The other blast collapsed with him as Kyle purposely fell back to break free of the giant. A hard landing on the floor shook the giant's conscience. He was dazed. Kyle rose up quick. Only to see there was no giant but a boy younger than him. It made no matter though. This was the streets. So Kai retrieved a small dagger from his boot. And pounced upon the boy. One, two, three. Sliving up up like a fresh hand. In the simultaneous motion. Kai racing upstairs. Wiz. Thwarted by the second suspect. Who charged greatly. Sending them both flying out the broken window. An intense struggle resulted. Kai arrives to the main floor. Looks to the right. Sees the guy bleeding up out his ass, crawling for the knife. But Kai gets there first and kicks him across the face. He picks up that knife. Now, armed with two blades, he heads out that door. Outside, he finds Wiz and the other without movement. Ironic. You almost hear Kyrenic's heart sink like a slow rhythm with the thought of his friend dead. A hard rain begins, and Kai heard a loud glass. Wiz rolled the dead guy off him. Kai went to his friend and helped him up. And they returned inside to find the last suspect gone, along with two, along with the two bags Kai had brought upstairs with him. They'd been robbed. But how far could a man bleeding out his ass get? Kai and Wiz went in pursuit, running out the back door. They followed as best as they could the blood trail. But the rain was beginning to wash it away. Fuck! Kyrenic shouted. Wiz sheathed his blade. All our re-up coin. And then they walked back inside. Conrenic ran in. Yo, downstairs. Together they scavenged to pick up the pennies falling from that third bag. In the end, it still wasn't enough to cop the regular order of 10 ounces. Foundry streets were knee-deep in dope vials. Elven kids as young as 12 addicted to silver. Rotting corpses littering the alleys and hideaways. Like rats, Kai and Wiz scurried through these alleys to escape the dead zone. Feral cats snarled, but these two kept it moving without fear. Bruised and beaten, but unbroken. Work had to be done. Wiz argued they'd take it easy and regroup. Kyrenic was of a different breed, though. Always forward. Win or lose. 
Temples and fortifications towering over the foundry from the far distance. Two worlds, one city. Kind Wiz went straight to Tickle's house. Under the new system, you know, Tickle supervised all the ribs direct from his home. The youths would come by to purchase some silver and even permitted to sack or vial at his kitchen table. Tickle was cool with it. Tickle's brother, Bacon, answered the door when they came knocking. Immediately, he saw the boys bruised up and made jokes about it. Don't forget, the streets were unlocked. Seals boys were still out patrolling and snatching heads. On the way there, Kai and Wiz hid in the bushes when they spotted a wagon full of them boys with Bangham hanging out the side with his double-bolted crossbow. Inside Tickle's spot, Kai was straight to the point. He needed to see Tickle. Tickle was in the back, though, with one of his girls laying, piping that ass down. Bacon told him so. Tickle never liked to be disturbed. So, the boys had to wait. A couple hours later, Tickle appeared. Kai got up immediately, went over, and was like, yo, I need, I need, I need, I need that shit. Tickle was like, nope. He was cutting off the tap until Sino had calmed down. That's when Kai got into his predicament. And Tickle heard that story. And he was like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> you know, it was that was his reaction. Because Kai had took it upon himself to be like, hey, can I get this on consignment? Tickle didn't do consignments. And a lot of people didn't back in them day. You know, he had bosses to answer to. And he... You could say he was more cautious of everybody else, you know. And he, he wasn't going to do it. You know. On top of that, his own boss was missing and shit. Like, nah. Too much heat going on and all this craziness. So he dismissed Kai. Frustrated as fuck, Kai stormed about the house. He didn't even bother to tell Wiz where he was going. He was just gone. At home that night, alone and dark in the bed, Kai reflected. He knew what needed to be done. He had to find the ass-believing fool who robbed him and kill him quick. So the next morning, he blew off Bella and scoured the back-end medical spots where the shady physicians did more harm than cure. Doc Boone told him no such person had been there, but Kai had a sixth sense for lying and grabbed Boone by the throat. See, Boone was greedy. He was the type you could summon any time of night regardless of whatever the fuck you did and still get medical attention. But he was also a devious cat. And he'll sell you out for fucking pennies. Boone wasn't trying to give no intel. So, Kyle was like, alright, cool. He released him, let him go. But then took a little tour around the spot. After hearing a cry in the back room. Back there was Boone's wife and child. Kai knocked over the wife. Grabbed the baby by the leg. Came out. Went back around to Boone. Placed a knife over the baby. Over the baby. Placed a knife over the baby. You familiar with this story, right? Should I split the baby? He asked. 